Hello, hello, and welcome back to Paladino Live. It is the 11th of June in the year 2008. This is episode number 16, and we are ready to rock and roll and continue this show here on thesportstuff.com. This is the home site of Paladino Live, thanks to Dylan Richardson, and we have lots of great podcasts on this site. Do check them out. Now, I also have another podcast on this site. It is Purple Mafia, and you will hear a advertisement for it later on during this show. Of course, that show is about the Minnesota Vikings, so Minnesota sports fans, check out Purple Mafia as well. Now, here on thesportstuff.com, we have a call-in line. It is a voicemail, and treat it as such. Simply call in the number, state which show you are addressing, just like you would with a voicemail when you're calling somebody. So say you're calling in for Paladino Live, and then state your opinion, comment, um, question, whatever it is, analysis, little trash talk. You do it, and uh, we play it here on the air. And uh, you get to hear your lovely voice along with mine. And we have some interaction once and for all. Now, also we have message boards. This is very, very important. We have message boards here on thesportstuff.com. The website is thesportspodcasters.com forward slash boards, thesportspodcasters.com forward slash boards, or on the homepage of thesportstuff.com, there is a button that says TSS boards in the upper right-hand corner. Do click on it. Do register and sign up here on thesportstuff.com as this site is fun. It is growing and uh, being on board and interacting with all of us sports fans is a lot of fun. It is 100% free and 100% fun. Do sign up and become a part of things. And hey, if you've got podcasting skills, you just might get to be a podcaster on this site as well. Now, it's not automatic, as you got to be able to be ready to go, but you never know. You just never know. You might be one of us. Now, with that today here on Paladino Live, on episode number 16, we've got a lot to talk about yet again. As uh, there's, been a, there's a little bit of Minnesota Wild news, a couple of little nuggets that came up this week, so we'll talk a little about that. And, uh, of course, there's the NBA Finals which is the absolute bomb, is it's Lakers-Celtics, and things so far, well, going close to what I'd think. I mean, yeah, I figured it'd be 2-1 to one about at this point, just not the way it came about, I guess. I don't know. Something around that range, I guess, either way. It's going to be two games to one at this point. That's what matters, so that's pretty much how I saw it coming in favor of the Boston Celtics. Now, of course, I'm not trying to brag and say I'm always right, because of course I'm not. I mean, New Orleans Hornets didn't win. I picked them to win. So that's just how it goes. Now, also, of course, there will be more Timberwolves NBA draft talk, as uh, that's the main, I guess you could call them the main team here on Paladino Live. Is That's what I like to talk about the most, and I uh, get probably the most reaction talking about them here on the sportsstuff.com, at least in terms of Paladino Live. So I figure, well, <laughs> that's the team to uh, lead the way by ever so slight, as ever so much. I mean, I apologize. Now, uh, I'll also be getting into the Twins at some point, probably not today, but in time we'll be talking Twins baseball. Now, real quick, though, Paladino Live has a Yahoo Messenger. Paladino Live, one word, simply add me, and we can talk, interact, 
We could be friends here on Yahoo also, and also uh, Paladino Live at Yahoo.com. Paladino Live at Yahoo.com. Do check it out. Also, I have a YouTube, YouTube.com forward slash Paladin Joe, YouTube.com forward slash Paladin Joe. There is some entertaining game reviews, which are going to be called Video Game Flashback, and uh, I'm starting a new video. Just getting in the starting stages of it now. Finally, a uh, new game review, and... Um, I hope you check it out and enjoy. With that, we are going to switch into Minnesota Wild Talk real quick, and we'll be right back. What's up, listeners? This is Farzine. I am the host of the Chiefs End Zone Show right here on thesportsstuff.com, where we cover the Kansas City Chiefs, give our opinions, and go deep inside with the Kansas City Chiefs right here only on thesportsstuff.com. We encourage you Chiefs fans, you loud Chiefs fans out there, to get on the show, voice your opinions, get on our boards, and talk with us. All listeners, including Bronco fans, are allowed in our show. So be sure you check out the Chiefs End Zone Show right here on thesportsstuff.com with me, your host, Farzine. And we are back here on thesportstuff.com. It is time to talk about the Minnesota Wild. Now, they made a move last night, or this morning, or whenever. I believe it was last night originally, late last night. It came as a surprise to me, and uh, it's not like the biggest move of all time. It's not like, oh, my God, you know, like the Wild are, are about to, like, take over the NHL here with this great move. But it wasn't a bad move as they trade a uh, third-round pick in this year's draft for Marc-Andre Bergeron of the, uh, excuse me, Bergeron, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, He was a member of the Anaheim Mighty Ducks and uh, not a bad defenseman. Now, he only played 55 games last year, which is one concern, I guess, ever so slight, but not a bad move. He's 27 years old, not... uh, not an old guy, finally, so it's not like someone ancient. It appears he will don the number seven. He had 19 points last year in 55 games, as I mentioned. Uh, when you look at his uh, career totals on Yahoo Sports, if you feel like following along, uh, well, they're a little deceiving when you look at the seasons. Now, you have to look closely. He's been traded a couple times. You look how you say 2006-07 twice there. You add them together. He had 46 points uh, the year before last. 46 points, folks. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. With his 14 goals and 32 assists, that's not bad. Uh, that's more points than Brent Burns had last year. I believe Brent had 43. So that's a good sign. Uh, this guy, I mean, he's not an all-star or anything, but not a bad move by the Minnesota Wild at all, as uh, they're finally making some uh, <clears throat> push to at least get a something. I mean, they're finally trying to attack their needs here and getting some defensive depth on this team, some blue line depth, I apologize, to be in more correct hockey terms. Now, here in the Pioneer Press, we're trying to improve this team offensively, specifically from the blue line. And he's a point producer with a great shot, Rybrow said, after completing the team's first transaction of the offseason. And, uh, yeah, he's been known to have a very good slap shot. Sounds familiar, like, with, oh, he's like a Curtis, he's like probably a higher-end version of Curtis Foster, you could say. So, that ain't bad. Curtis Foster was, of course, a player that 
was a was a out of the blue, just diamond in the rough kind of a player who all of a sudden ended up being not too bad. And yes, there it is, forty three points by uh, Burns. So uh Mark Andre Bergon Bergeron, excuse me, uh eclipsed has eclipsed Burns' career high so far in his career. So we shall see what happens. Now he's a top guy. He's going to play a lot of minutes, Risebrow said. From what I've seen of him and it was mostly with Edmonton. I like his competitiveness. We're getting a guy who leans a little more toward offense. And you know what? The Wild need that so badly. Because Nick Schultz is a guy that, well, a lot of people probably thought when he was originally drafted was going to be an offensive defenseman. And, well, to be honest, he's not been that in the National Hockey League. In the... uh Years with the with the juniors and in the minors, he looked like he was going to be that with 50 or 40 or 50 point seasons. Now he's not the next Larry Murphy. We all knew that because nobody's the next Larry Murphy. But uh, Nick Schultz looked like the kind of guy who'd be uh, the type of defenseman that you can build around. But uh, as you click on his career totals, well, last year he had 15 points. The year before, 12, 14, 16, 10, and 10. So in his years, those are going from last year all the way to his rookie year. He has never eclipsed 16 points. Uh, of course, Schultz, very dependable, a very solid defenseman who doesn't get beat that much. He was a second overall pick, or second round pick, excuse me, 33rd overall by the Wild in 2000. He was the pick that came after Marion Gabrick for the Minnesota Wild in their inaugural season. But, uh, yeah, Schultze, as I like to call him, I guess, is uh, is a stay-at-home defenseman. That's what his job is. And the Wild need some type of offense from the blue line. And, uh, well, Brent Burns finally providing that last year. And uh, the Wild hope that Mark Andre can provide that as well for the Minnesota Wild. Once and for all, finally some more offense from the blue line. Now, of course, you need toughness, and Bjergeron uh, is only 5'10", 197, so he's not a big, giant guy. Uh, Brent Burns, 6'4", 210, is a pretty big guy, but uh, it provides something. You know, it's not... It, it provides something, finally. Curtis Foster, the largest defenseman the Wild have. Um, as you can see, he's 6'5", 235, but fairly injury-prone, and... Um, Schultz, pretty much average in size, 6'1", 207. Uh, you're, you're keeping Skula. He's under contract, I believe. Sean Hill, gone. There's no doubt about it. Keith Carney, gone, both due to age and just their performance is not what it used to be. It's just not. So, uh, and, of course, uh, also, the Wild unloading Newmelin. I believe Newmelin returning to Europe, as I believe I saw an article not long ago regarding that. Undersized, but a slight offensive guy. Now a guy also, another defenseman. So the Wild approaching defenseman yet again this offseason. Now this is a guy that we already had, Eric Reitz. I kept calling him Eric Reitz forever. But uh, a guy who I have liked for quite a while by watching him via the uh, the Houston Arrows. As he, year after year, had solid seasons with the Houston Arrows, but never seemed to be able to crack the Minnesota Wild lineup. Now, with such a thin blue line the Wild has had over the years, I don't know why Eric Wright hasn't made it. I don't know why the Wild haven't given him a chance. But, well, they're saying this is a one-way type of deal where uh, he will be in the NHL, not sent down to Houston. as uh, They signed him for a reason, 
and he's going to probably be here now. Yeah, you're, you're losing, what was it, three defensemen I mentioned. So you got one, now Eric Reitz is another. So hopefully we can fill that other spot with something pretty good and maybe knock one of the other not-so-good defensemen out of there at some point. Uh, the Minnesota Wild have drafted one one defenseman in the first round through the entire tenure here in Minnesota so far. One defenseman, and his name was A.J. Thielen, and uh, he is no longer in the Minnesota Wild system, folks. He was a complete bust. He didn't leave and sign somewhere else. He is a bust. He did not make it. A.J. Thielen did not crack the Minnesota Wild roster. So uh, Minnesota Wild absolutely need to address the blue line, and they need to build a farm <laughs> with the blue line in Houston ASAP and because it just seems every time they draft a defense, he doesn't do much. And here's the funny part about Eric Reitz. Eric Reitz was a sixth-round pick, folks, sixth-round pick, and he finally emerges. Now, see, there's been multiple other defensemen who have been picked considerably higher, like Clayton Stoner, uh, you know, Nick Schultz, who did make the team. The rest of them, well, pretty much every defenseman on the Minnesota Wild roster has been a free agent acquisition of some kind or trade. So, or a, you know, a claim off of waivers. So, not much going on in the defense uh, for, the, for the blue line and the wild need to build a stable on in that position. And with that, I'm going to conclude the hockey talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And we're going to switch over to the National Basketball Association. Here on thesportstuff.com, get on board the Viking ship with Purple Mafia. We will talk about the new Purple People Eaters and the best running back in the NFL, Adrian Peterson. This team is ready to make a move forward. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com along with iTunes and Mediafly. Simply download and listen to the most honest and passionate Vikings coverage. And we are back here on Paladino Live. Now, of course, that was my uh, other podcast, Purple Mafia. Do check it out. Minnesota Vikings football, a team on the rise in the NFC Central or North. What am I talking about? NFC Central. Okay, this isn't baseball, Joe. Wake up, buddy. But, um, <laughs> yeah, do check that out. It's a uh, very good show, very energetic. I hope this show is also energetic. But, uh, yeah, Vikings football, good ratings, growing ratings. It's looking pretty good right now. Join in and let's ride this thing to the moon, baby. But anyhow, (laughs) it is time to talk about the two best teams on the planet. First and foremost, the Boston Celtics being the best and the uh, Los Angeles Lakers being the second best at this point. At this point, things obviously can change, but Man, is there a lot going on in the NBA? There is a lot going on in the NBA. You got the you got the uh, accusations of playoff games being rigged, and David Stern, of course, uh, saying no, they weren't. Uh, you got uh, well, Rage and Rondo has been missing practice because he hurt his ankle. So that's a little talk about the uh, the NBA Finals. You've got some coaches being named. I mean, some strange names, but at the same time, fresh and new names. Fresh and new names. And, uh, well, someone I was kind of predicting, kind of predicting from the way it looked in the article last week. We'll start off with the coaching changes real quick, because I figure 
start off with that and get into the NBA Finals next. Uh, Terry Porter named the head coach of the Phoenix Suns, a very intriguing hire for a very high-end team, very high-profile team that is trying to win now, not tomorrow, but now, because they have Shaquille O'Neal, they have Grant Hill, they have Raja Bell, they have uh, Amari Stoudemire, of course, who is nearing his prime. Not Probably not quite there yet, but getting close. Uh, Steve Nash, how could I forget? You know, he is in his prime. So you got all these mostly veterans, some young, and then a couple of young guys. So... Terry Porter with the opportunity of a lifetime, and uh, you hope that he can handle it. And uh, personally, I think he can. I think he can. He was, I felt he was underrated in Milwaukee. He had one good year and one disappointing year, and they let him go. They didn't give him a chance to keep going. So I don't understand why they did that. But with that, we're going to talk real quick about Terry Porter. Now, the fact, well, he was a former Timberwolf, and that was, you know, that's something that I like. I know that's how I, partially how I know him. I mean, obviously, most people know him from his Portland Trailblazers days. He was a sharpshooting uh, point guard, a very nice leader. And whenever he was in the game for the Timberwolves, as he got older, he, uh, you know, he really led this team. He was a nice mentor for Stefan Marbury. Marbury just loved him when uh, the two were here, of course. They both left. In 1999, disappointing, but that's life. Not much we can do about it. Uh, unfortunately, Terry Porter not getting a ring, even though he was on the San Antonio Spurs for a while. That was their little drought, you know, from the uh, the first championship to the second one. There was about a three, four-year drought, and Porter was there then, unfortunately for him. But that's how it goes. Terry Porter, I think it's a championship-caliber team, said Porter, who reportedly agreed to a three-year contract worth about $7 million. I think they have some pieces in place that obviously competed at that level the last over the last four years. Absolutely. You know, you, you got Steve Nash, Shaq, and Amari Stoudemire. I mean, that team is pretty darn good. And, uh, well, the pressure's on for Terry Porter right off the bat. He's not taking on a team like the Milwaukee Bucks this time. Of course, Scott Skiles getting that opportunity over there, and good luck with that. Uh, there's been so many coaching changes in the NBA this year, and... Wow, they're finally all filled. They're finally all filled. And uh, this is going to be interesting. Now, Steve Kerr talking here. Obviously, there will be differences and there will be nuances. But the key for us was having somebody who would be balanced on both sides of the ball, who wanted to continue to push the ball and maintain our up-tempo style, but could also help us come in and improve defensively. That's one of the reasons we felt like he was the right fit. Yeah, Terry Porter... Definitely, you know, and that's what I would look for in a coach as well. If I were Steve Kerr, I want balance. If I'm the Phoenix Suns, I want balance. Uh, you know, you can't win a championship just scoring points. That's Don Nelson. Don Nelson, a great coach, but not a championship coach because, you know, you can't be one-dimensional. Just like Paladino Live is never one-dimensional. Terry Porter, according to Steve Kerr, is that as well. <laughs> so, I think it's a solid hire, and ultimately the facts will speak for themselves as the season progresses. Mike D'Antoni, of course, going to try to be more of a uh, marketable team in New York, more entertaining. And that team just flat sucked. And I apologize, P-Mac, I know they're your club, but, you know, obviously you probably, well, you know more than I, they just sucked right now, you know, for the longest time. 
because of Isaiah Thomas and with him out of the way and with some pretty well-known people taking over that club. It's going to be quite interesting. Now, the next coaching job accepted, the Chicago Bulls finally getting a coach after uh, Scott Skiles. He was, I believe, the first coach gone. And uh, the Bulls finally hire a coach. And do you guys remember Vinny Del Negro? Remember him? The guy that drove you nuts with his three-point three shooting with the San Antonio Spurs. Every time he thought you beat the Spurs, Del Negro would hit another one. And you'd just be like, no. Well, there he is. He's the Chicago Bulls coach. To be honest, I really am not sure what to think of this hire. Uh, other than, well, it's... It's a shot in the dark to me. Uh, they know more than I do. That's you know at at this point, because uh, you just don't know. It's like hiring Steve Kerr, pretty much. You don't know what he's going to really be all about until until well, it's time to get her done and and do the job. So uh, another big name team hiring a well Terry Porter known, but this is a very very unknown. Not sure what. Uh, Brian Cush thinks of him yet, as I've not heard his show, but, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, they do have the number one pick going their way. I apologize as my uh, my voice was dying on me there, but, um, well, I, I really don't know what to think of this move, other than, you know, he's a nice, he was a nice college player and a solid bro. And <laughs> other than that, it's, it's really Something they he must they they pretty much said they blew him away with the interview. So okay, that's something uh, Chicago Bulls fans didn't get to listen into, and nor did the rest of us who aren't in Chicago. So we'll see what happens. I mean, there's been the Chicago Bulls have just there's been all kinds of rumors all the time. There there was talk about even Kobe Bryant going there last year, but didn't happen. And uh, oh well, that's just the way it goes. Uh, he's going to take on some interesting people. Joe Kim Noah, Larry Hughes, a couple of guys who have been troublemakers. But, uh, well, Joe Kim Noah, not the biggest troublemaker, but got in a little bit of issues behind the scenes at Chicago last year. Larry Hughes, you know, there's been talk that he's not the most coachable guy. And, well, it shows up on the court at times. He's inconsistent. I used to just love him when he, a couple of years with the uh, Wizards was excellent and the Warriors even better yet. Tyrus uh, Thomas. Who knows? Duhan, who knows? Duhan's a guy I don't really like <laughs> at all. Nocioni's okay, but overall, well, the thing going for Chicago right now is they have, they do have established guys like Ben Gordon and Kirk Heinrich. Um, and of course the number one overall pick. So, it's probably the toughest, toughest, uh, one to, to analyze at this point, other than you hope that they take Derrick Rose, you really do. If you're a Chicago Bulls fan, they better take Derrick Rose because not only is he a hometown guy, but he's the best player on the board. And if I'm the Bulls or the Timberwolves or anybody else, that's my guy. Now the Pistons, the final team to make a hire. Michael Curry is the head coach of the Detroit Pistons. Now he was a solid veteran player not even that long ago. He was a nice defensive player in the past, and the Pistons are known for defense, so there you go. You hire a defensive, uh, defensive-minded individual, and Michael Curry is the guy for that team. Now, Curry at a news conference said, I don't think you make anybody play. I think you substitute. You remove the ones that are unmotivated. That's pretty simple. Uh, it sounds like pretty cutthroat there, and that's good. 
Guys either respect you or they don't, and they respect this guy, Dumars said. These guys trust him. They know he's a tough guy, and they know they're going to have to get it done. So, hey, I think that's what Detroit needs is Flip Saunders, a non-confrontational guy in Minnesota and in Detroit. And, uh, well, they never got over the hump in Minnesota, here, or in Detroit. I mean, there are more playoff success in Detroit, but you had the guns there. In Minnesota, kind of, I mean, the Wolves never once won a series that they weren't supposed to win. Never once. And they lost a couple that they were probably supposed to win. Um, it's debatable if they were supposed to beat the Los Angeles Lakers in 2004. Of course, Sam Gassell hurt, but still. Good coaches get it done, especially with home court advantage and with guys named Kevin Garnett. And um, I dare say Spreewell at the time was playing fairly good because that was the year before he turned into a, you know, he... He reverted back to his idiot self. And that's a show for another day when I might go off at Spreewell for about 45 minutes straight. <laughs> but uh, here's one more uh, quote here. That's a, well, Curry will be offended if people are saying the Pistons pick and choose when to play with him in charge. So he says, that's a stab to me, and that hurts me than losing in the conference finals. Okay, that looks like some type of error there. That's a stab to me, and that hurts me more than losing in the conference finals, I would assume, because that's because you directly control. One of my goals is never let that be said about a team that I coach, and that represents this organization. So Michael Curry going to lay down the law in Detroit, and we'll see what happens. Uh, guys are getting older. Chauncey Billups getting a little more injury prone. Rasheed Wallace, same idiot he's always been. He's just a little bit, he was just a teeny bit more, uh, you know, down to earth for a while, but he's been an idiot the last couple of years, and Flip Saunders couldn't handle him. Ben Wallace, of course, did not work out with Flip Saunders. He was gone after the first year. So ever since they lost Ben Wallace, they haven't been back to the NBA Finals. So we'll see what happens. Ben Wallace, of course, his career is just about over. But now with that, we're going to switch over to the NBA Finals. And we are three games in, three games in, the Celtics. The team I did pick to win in seven games, up two games to one. Now Boston, it was a seesaw for the first, oh, for the first, for the first half, LA actually looked like they were going to pull out a road win, but Boston just jumping out in that third quarter, playing some fantastic basketball. Me and Marcus, the forecaster, just had a blast watching that game. And, uh, of course, the forecaster hopefully going to be a guest on this show at some point. We've got a little uh, recording uh, software get that thing ready to rock and roll so I could get some interviews finally on this show to add some more spice and some more, you know, some more blood to this show. So that will be some good stuff. Boston, of course, taking over in this game. Kobe Bryant, disappointing, only 9 of 26, not the same player that he was against the San Antonio Spurs. Go figure. Uh Paul Gasol, 6 of 11 from the floor, but awful on defense. He looked overmatched by Kevin Garnett and Kendrick Perkins. Well, mostly Garnett in this game is, uh, well, in the first half, Garnett doing a very good job. In the second half, well, he was kind of the old Kevin Garnett in the fourth quarter, uh, missing shot after shot after shot until that massive putback on Paul Gasol, which was pretty much the, you know, the staple saying this game is ours. But Paul Pierce, Paul Pierce, the story of this game, as he went down, of course, with a uh, 
what looked like a season-ending injury and a series-ending injury. Does it look like the LA Lakers were going to take over and win this sucker? I believe it was a tie game at the time. But Pierce finds out the injury not as bad and returns, and wow. You know, he was 7 of 10 from the floor, 3 of 4 from three-point range in this game. Paul Pierce clutch and uh, just absolutely remarkable in this game. Looking like he, you know, looking like a playoff MVP that he very well could be at the end of this series. Sam Cassell hitting some shots down the stretch. A little reckless, but not bad. P.J. Brown, huge. You know, a very big six rebounds. It looked like it was more than that. But, you know, he even added a block in this game. Very good job by P.J. Brown, the veteran power forward, power forward center, whatever you want to call him. And uh, Ray Allen, solid in this game. Uh, field goal percentage won't show it. 5 of 13 from the floor, but much more solid in this game. 19 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Excellent. He did get 4 turnovers, but he also added a steal and a block. So... Ray Allen, very valuable in Game 1, waking up and not struggling finally. And the Celtics in Game 2 now, winning 108-102. But, uh, well, after the first quarter, it was 22-20, to but then Boston explodes with a 34-20 second quarter. And in an even more crazy, or an equally crazy 29-19 third, the Celtics explode in this game, take a 24-point lead, and uh, make the Lakers... Wonder what's going on here. And uh, Kobe Bryant does get 30 points, 11 of 23 from the floor, over 50%. Got eight assists but four turnovers, three steals. Kobe, big in this game, particularly in the massive fourth quarter comeback. The Lakers score 41 points in the fourth quarter, 41. Now, a lot of people could call it more of a moral victory, you know, for the Lakers by making that nice comeback keeping it a six-point game rather than a blowout. But uh, moral victories don't happen in the postseason. The one thing that w- the one thing most of us were worried about was that this could play like a stock. Like when a stock drops really hard during the day but then has a huge bounce back, yet still, you know, it still closes with a loss but has a huge bounce back. After its, uh, you know, abysmal performance earlier in the day, you think that the momentum can carry it up and you can, you know, make a ton of money, say, if you bought it somewhere around the end of the day. <laughs> and uh, you think this thing would explode and you believe that the Lakers are going to come out in game three and destroy the Celtics because of that momentum. Now, before I get into game three, uh, role players pretty big in this game as Ray John Rondo had only 16 assists in this game. Only 16 assists. Unbelievable in that category. Leon Poe as well, 21 points. Posey, 8 points. P.J. Brown solid with 6 points. And P.J. Brown was a plus 20, by the way. So that that old-timer is very valuable. But, uh, yeah, you'd think that the Celtics are going to come out and destroy the Lake. Yeah, excuse me. The Lakers are going to come out and destroy the Celtics. But, uh, well, that didn't really happen in Game 3. However, the Celtics did win. Now, before that, uh, the thing is, Las Vegas had favored the Lakers a nine and a half in this game. Nine and a half. Now, that, that's a little too much, right? And you figure the Boston Celtics would cover. You, they figure they're still going to lose, but they're going to cover, right? Well, if you bet that, you would have won. You would have won. You would have won. And uh, as it was an 87-81 game, uh, tied after the first quarter, Lakers take it. Th- 
six-point lead after the second. The Celtics end the third quarter with a two-point lead. You think you're thinking, oh wow, could it be? Could this actually be happening? This uh, epic potential six or seven game series is about to get go up three games to zero, and then all that is going down the toilet. You're not going to have a close series anymore. Well, no, the Lakers take over and win the fourth quarter, 27 to 19. Of course, led by Kobe Bryant's 36 points. That is a NBA Finals high of the for this year. He had 36 points, two steals, seven rebounds, and only but only one assist. But hey, you know he had to go out and get her done. He uh, he got to the line. Well, he got eight free throw. Or he got 18 free throws in this game. Yeah, so he really got to the line. 18 free throws attempted. Only made 11 of them though. So. That's not good. The Lakers only shoot 61% from the uh, free throw line, or about 62, actually. Uh, Celtics not much better, though, only 60, 68%. So that's not good at all for either team in that category. But, uh, well, Vujicic, this is where a role player for the Lakers did really good in this game. He had 20 points, 3 of 5 from three-point range, 7 of 10 overall, fantastic, plus 15. He, the top plus-minus player in this game for the Los Angeles Lakers and plus minus overall. Ray Allen comes out and does great, but uh is Ray Allen at twenty five points, five rebounds to assist, a block and a steal again. Wow, five of seven from three for Ray Allen. Phenomenal. Though he surprisingly missed two free throws in this game. A ninety one percent free throw shooter, Ray Allen only what, sixty six percent, so that's not too good, but story of the game for the Boston Celtics and why they lost, well Kevin Garnett <laughs> shot 6 of 21 from the floor. Paul Pierce, an abysmal 2 of 14 from the floor. 2 of 14, including 0 of 4 from three-point range. The uh, Celtics only managed 35% from the field, though they did shoot 44% from three-point range. So that's really the story of the game. It's as Greg Popovich would say. When the shot, you know, it's the, the shots aren't going down. And um, that's just all there is to it. That's what happened to the Celtics. And they lost this game. Lakers outplay the Celtics. Lakers shot about 44% from the field. So significantly better. 9% better. And that's the story of the game. As Kobe and Vujicic shoot the lights out on this particular night and take over. And the Lakers making this series much more interesting, and I'm going to stick to my guns, Celtics in seven. Um, well, I have to stick to my guns, but, I mean, overall, I think that way this series is going. It's probably going to go to game seven, sure, despite the fact the Celtics could have could have won this game, even though they shot so poorly from the field. They could have won this game anyway, so, but they didn't, and uh, I think the Lakers win game four as well, and if they do, this is definitely going seven. Um, if they don't, well, it's anybody's guess at that point. And, uh, I'm really, really enjoying this series. I find it very, very entertaining. Uh, you know, it's a fascinating matchup. It's not Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. It's not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Kevin McHale. <laughs> you know, there's no clotheslines. <laughs> you know, there's no clotheslines from McHale onto, uh, Kurt Rambis or anything. As those days are over, and I wish they could live forever. But, hey, this is pretty cool stuff. Kobe Bryant, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, 
Kevin Garnett, yeah, a guy by the name of Kevin Garnett who used to play here. You know, it, this is a lot of fun, watching a lot of stars and, and veterans play together. Um, the two most storied franchises in NBA history, some good stuff. And uh, we're going to have to see what happens at this point as – yeah, I do think this will be a seven-game series. And uh, real quick, though, going to finish up here with a uh, reminder that we will be talking Twins baseball very soon as hockey is over. And with with the wild news this week, that kind of took over the Twins as we don't want these shows to be too long. Um, NBA Finals going to come to and end very soon as you're going to have a champion. I do think it's going to be Boston. Real quick, though, I'm going to close the show with a teeny bit of NBA draft talk. There isn't really much going on other than uh, the rumors aren't going away yet about O.J. Mayo possibly being drafted by the Miami Heat as Dwayne Wade believes that, you know, has really, really been impressed with O.J. Mayo. He didn't endorsed O.J. Mayo as the top pick or anything, but the thing is, it, it, it could happen. I don't see it happening. The experts don't see it happening. No one really does. The Yahoo mock draft continues to say the Wolves are going to take Brooke Lopez. I don't buy it. I really don't. I just don't think that move makes sense at this point. you got to take O.J. Mayo. The biggest issue with the Wolves is that O.J. Mayo has scheduled practices in cities like Chicago, New York, and Miami, but has not scheduled any practice in Minnesota. And a lot of people believe that's an indication that he does not want to play here and that he prefers a big city like Yi Jin Lin last year did. If that's the case, well, uh, you know, it, it, it drives you nuts. It really does. And we all know what happened to Steve Francis and the uh, Vancouver Grizzlies just got absolutely raped in that deal. I, I don't think any of the players from that trade are still playing in the NBA. I really don't. Yeah, Michael Dickerson, long gone. Uh, I, I, after that, I don't even remember who else was involved in that trade. Oh, yeah, Othella Harrington. Othella Harrington. Remember that guy? Worthless? Yeah. So if you do draft O.J. Mayo, you pray to God that, you know, you don't get stuck in one of those deals. Um I say you draft O.J. Mayo, and um, Jerry Sheesting on KFAN, he's an assistant coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves and, of course, a former 1986 Boston Celtics, got a ring with the Celtics that year, and he says, hey, in a situation where you draft a guy like that, or, yeah, where there's a guy like that, you take him anyway. If they're the best player available for your team, you take them anyway, and you say, hey, this is your team, this is your job. You are going to go out and play for us because, you know, you were picked by us. Let's, let's work together. Let's have a great career together and let's make, you know, make this team better. And to me, well, OJ Mayo is that best player. On this draft, they have him slipping all the way to number six to the New York Knicks. Now, I'm sure the NBA would love that. I'm sure a lot of NBA fans would love to see OJ Mayo play in the Big Apple. But, no, if the Timberwolves are smart, they're going to take the third best player in the draft, the third pick, not the tenth or sixth best player. Brooke Lopez should be the sixth, sixth overall pick, seventh overall pick. Um, Kevin Love continues, his stock continues to 
rise as uh, constantly they're saying he's going to the Grizzlies, number five. A lot of these uh, drafts, Jared Bayless has not moved an inch. He has constantly been number four to Seattle. And, of course, that makes a lot of sense as they need that kind of player there. But overall, there well, there's been possibility of O.J. Mayo going as high as number two. And if he does, you could be staring face-to-face with Michael Beasley in the target center. Michael Beasley. Now that's now that's a pipe dream, and it's not going to happen. But <laughs> man, just imagine if it did. Wouldn't that be crazy? Uh, just just imagine. But uh, I guess we got to stop thinking that because we're going to be disappointed. And uh, should the Wolves take Brook Lopez, you have no <laughs> reason to feel remorse for being disappointed for that. I mean, you have every right in the world. I mean to say. To be disappointed if the Wolves take Brooke Lopez. Um, some people on here think that he's going to be like a Tim Duncan type player. Nah, I, I don't know. I just don't know. Every time the Wolves take a center, he fails. And um, there's every reason in the world to be scared about any Timberwolves team, about the Timberwolves taking a center. You want a glass of orange juice and you want a jar of mayo on this team. You do. You want to put those two together and form an excellent shooting guard for this Timberwolves club. And after that, of course, <laughs> you, you trade away McCants or have him come off the bench or whatever. You figure that out later. Uh, you don't want to make a mistake. I don't think O.J. Mayo is going to be that big of a punk and not play. I don't think he's the next Steve Francis, and I don't think he's the next Yi Jin Lin. But overall, we're going to have to see what happens. And with that, we're going to close... Paladino Live, episode 16, June 11th. And good luck to the Boston Celtics. Kevin Garnett, as disappointed as I was in you here in Minnesota, and as big a critic as I was of you about the last four years he was here, go get him, Kevin. Go get him. Go get that championship. As uh, It's time to go get that. Uh, the Celtics have been my second favorite team since 1998. So I'm not a bandwagon jumper. They are my second favorite team, the Hawks. I just about tied with them, as you can always see my hat in those uh, YouTube videos, the Hawks hat from the Dominique era. But with that, uh, good luck to the Boston Celtics. I hope they do bring it home, and I am sticking to my guns. Celtics in seven. All of you enjoy this next week, and we'll be back soon, possibly talking about a Celtics championship.